Welcome to the Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. Welcome, welcome everyone to episode five of the Social Fishing Podcast. I'm getting very excited every time it comes around to recording one of these and sharing plenty of content with you. We've had some good ones to start with already. Uh, We spoke to Jimmy in episode four about fly fishing and he's such a great guy and we have plenty more exciting episodes in the future. Now, this one here, again, is very different to the first four because I am doing this episode on my own and I'm going to be telling you a bit of a story. So, a lot of the episodes uh, will have co-hosts, interviews, and then sometimes I'll just sit down and have a chat to you about something, you know, interesting, something that'll help you out in the water. And in this one, like I said, I want to tell a story because when I was when I was younger, I loved hearing stories of big fish because not only is it exciting to hear people talk about how they got fish, then you can take something away from the story to then maybe put you in the driving seat and put you closer to experiencing that catch all on your own. So, it's all about building blocks and that's why this story in particular is very, very special, not only to me, but it has a lot of fundamentals and a lot of um, things you can learn around it that will help you out in the water and that's why I wanted to share this with you today. Now, um, what the story is from, we'll get straight into the episode. Uh, What the story is, is it's from the 1st of June this year. Now, I would have recorded it straight away um, and shared it with you within a week of of me catching this fish, but the podcast wasn't launched then and we were still in the planning stages. So, it was the 1st of June this year and it's all a story about the big 122-centimeter Murray cod that I landed at Blaring Dam. Um, If you have follow us at all, if you see the content we put up at all, you may have seen this absolute giant fish that I landed. It was a special moment, and I've caught quite a few big cod, but this one, they're all special. They're all special, and they all get the adrenaline. They make the adrenaline flow so much. Uh, But this one here in particular was really, really special because I hadn't caught quite a like a giant fish like that in the daylight for quite some time. A lot of our fish over the last few years have all been in the dark out of blaring. So this one was really, really special. And other thing that made it uh, so exciting was the fact that we got it all on camera. So what it will be in and where you can watch it, I will talk about later on in this episode. But what it was, it was the 1st of June. It was the start of winter and it was that start of that time where we head out to the dam and chase giant cod. Now, as you'd know, big cod in winter is becoming... A normal thing these days. Um, back in a while back, maybe four or five years ago, it was relatively unheard of, I, I would say, and, and usually you'd head out in the summer months. But now it's basically a year-round fishery. You can target big cod in the dams all year round. Same with rivers. Summer, you got a lot more activity, but winter is home to big fish. Uh, and big fish in the dams are a great thing to target and it's a great style of fishing because it gives you that opportunity to experience the joy of landing such an incredible fish and at that size there's something very special and in a future episode of the podcast the next one I'm going to sit down with Talos is we're going to touch on some tips for targeting big winter cod uh, because we are coming to the end of winter and then we'll start talking about things happening in spring so before we do exit winter, we do want to touch on some tips, techniques for targeting these giant fish. Now, this was my first trip to the dam. So, 
the very first one for the winter. I've fished it hundreds of times, but this was my first trip for the winter and it's because we'd been filming, doing a lot of work through the May, the, you know, through May. Normally, May is when I'd start heading out because that's when the temperature starts to cool and the fish start to, or the big fish start to start moving around looking for food because all the food starts to disappear. Uh, but this was my first trip. Talis had already done a trip and caught um, a nice fish and had a couple of other dropped fish and I just wanted to get up there. Now, I couldn't find anyone to come with me and it was just for a morning session. So, Talis and Jack, his mate, Jack Flanagan, were up there the night before uh, and they didn't have any luck. But I knew they were up there somewhere and because uh, they were up there, I was happy to go head up on the boat in my own. Um, I never really fish on my own uh, only because, well, one, safety reason, but also the excitement. I love sharing it with someone or I love seeing someone catch a fish and if you're on your own, you know, the excitement isn't just isn't the same and also the quality of photos and video content, we just can't do that. So I always try to make sure I've got someone with me. But on this particular trip, I didn't, but the boys were just around the corner from me. So the plan was to head up there early. Um, first thing on, I'm pretty sure it was a Saturday morning. So I'd packed everything. I think I got up at about 3.30 um, and headed up the dam. And I'm, I'm in Tumut, so it's not that far of a drive for me. It's about half an hour to get the boat on the water, a bit longer to get the boat on the water. But, you know, it's only a 25-minute drive to get to the boat ramp. Now, I went to the log bridge boat ramp. Uh, for those of you who know the area or are keen to visit the dam, that's a good boat ramp to put in at. It gives you access to the dam wall end of Blaring um, and a lot of really good rocky banks in the area. Now... What I did is I put in at the boat ramp, um, I had my dog with me as a bit of company, Reba, the Border Collie, she's a great companion dog and loves being on the boat, actually just wants to eat and chase the lures, but anyway, she stays in the boat and keeps me company. And what I did is the plan was to work a bank that I saw a couple of months prior when we were up there, and that's something I want to talk about is just being aware all the time. So, it's a lake that I fish all a lot, which gives me a massive advantage over someone who's never fished it before. And this bank in particular that I wanted to fish, I made note of about two months prior when it was a lot lower. And while we're out there, we we're filming a golden perch video and I noticed a couple of banks, you know, and looking up on the bank, there were some big boulders and boulders aren't very common in Blaring. So we had this creek bed that was coming in with some boulders and I thought that has got to be a good spot for this winter. If the water rises over there, that will be perfect. So I kept an eye on the water levels, the water height, and I noticed it rose over the next couple of months, which it always is bound to do coming into winter, um, rainfall, and also because they shut off the water flow into the Tumut River and the catchment. So then the water coming out of Talbingo and Junima fills the lake up. And I checked and the percentage had come up enough and I knew that area was going to be covered. So even though it was dark, see that's the thing, I'd prepped I'd prepped my trip. Um, if I had headed out there in the dark going, right, oh, where do I go? You know, I really had to just go off what I knew and what banks I do know because I can't see anything. So I knew that I was getting out there in the dark. If I had got out there the afternoon before, I probably could have done a bit of scouting around and I wouldn't have needed that prior knowledge because I was up there in the dark I'd already planned, right, where am I going to spend my time? So, I didn't waste any time and I knew exactly where I was going to be going. So, I pulled in at Logbridge Boat Ramp and drove back towards the Pines and I was fishing on the eastern side between the Pines and Logbridge Boat Ramp. There was a rocky bank there and my plan was to fish into this rocky bank and then fish this bay, this one bay, uh, which probably only about... Oh, 
not even 100 metres in, in and out of this bay of bank. Um, but it would have all been covered. And I got in there and I used the sounder. Now, the sounder was key to start with in terms of finding my depth because it was pitch black. You know, I have no idea where I'm casting. I vaguely know the bank. Um, what I did was I used my sounder to find my right depth and then fish from there. Now, start of winter, you know, the fish move right in the shallows in winter, but I wasn't confident that they were in there yet. So my plan of attack was to f- hold the boat in about seven or six meters and cast to the bank on a steeper bank i would drop it out a bit because i'd be way too close but on a couple of those flatter ones ended up moving into about five five and a half meters and casting so i could get a little bit closer just to see if there were some fish sitting in shallow so i started in about that seven six meters hold the boat and cast into the bank now another thing that was key and really helpful was there was no breeze now if i had got up there and there was wind blowing into this bank, um, I probably would have moved and tried to hide out of it. Now, wind you can use to your advantage quite a lot uh, because where the wind blows, the food moves and you find active fish. And also, the wind blows on a bank. It dirties up the water and say it has done that all throughout the day. Then come that night, the fish will be active in that and feeding in that area. So, wind is a good thing. But I prefer to have calm water because it makes it so much easier to fish so if i had had wind in the dark it would have blown me around and because i have no bank to reference myself off because i can't see it i'd probably be drifting around in all sorts of directions not even knowing if i'm moving forward and that really frustrates me as an angler some anglers might have a different opinion but to me that frustrates me a lot and i have more success more confidence and i catch more fish when it's calm and i can basically kill the electric motor and I sit still and I just turn it on slightly to move forward because I love fishing nice and slowly and if the wind's blowing me around it means your casts aren't going in the right spot your casts aren't retrieved nice and slow and on the bottom because your boat's moving the wrong direction dragging your lure around and I'm just not a fan so basically I found this bank it was calm that was perfect so I set on for my technique, which was casting big plastics. I had the Ignite Cod Fury on, the big 220mm model. I had it rigged how we rigged them, and I was using a swinging front hook because there wasn't much structure in this area. It was a rocky bank um, and then a nice creek bed with boulders. So that swinging hook, if I was to get a hit head first, which is the most common way the cod eat the lure in the dark, I had a good chance of hooking it. So I worked along... And it took a while, it took a half an hour, 45 minutes to get in the zone. Now, if you had to listen to the podcast uh, with Talus, episode three, there was a period in that po- uh, podcast where we talked about uh, fishing at Blaring and when he caught his 136. Now, we talked about confidence and getting in the zone and, and that feeling of this is going right and, you know, getting on your a roll. That's what I'm talking about here. We talked about it quite a bit there, but basically took me about 45 minutes to get on a roll of feeling right, feeling in the right spot, casting in the zone. I was working this rocky boulder section, which I actually, as the light came up, I noticed that there was no boulder showing, but I knew they were under there because I'd seen them a couple months prior. Worked along this bank, cast in, let the lure sink, give it a hop off the bottom and then slow roll it back to the boat with a couple of pauses in the retrieve just to get it back near the bottom. Then I got right into the shallow part of the bay. Now my lure was hitting the bottom and dragging the bottom too much because I was in about 5 metres, 4 metres and that was quite shallow. I thought, righto, while I'm here for half an hour, right on first light, 
I'll tie on a surface floor and just work the very inside of the creek bay. Now, right in where creeks come in or right in the backs of bays are great surface fishing areas. So I gave it a crack for half an hour, hoping that there'd be a fish in there, but no luck. So I didn't persist with it because it hadn't worked and that light was coming up. And the, the key for cod is from first light until when the sun hits the water. So you've got like a... Sometimes it's a one-hour period depending on where the sun rises. Sometimes it's two-hour period. You really want to be in the zone and fishing that period because that's when you're most likely to get a fish. So what I'd done is I'd worked into this bay and I started working out along this rocky bank just how I'd worked in the other side. It looked good. The rocky bank looked good. No luck. I'd finished the end of the rocky bank. Then I come around the corner. Uh, there was a rocky point, worked it, uh, and then it sort of just turned into a rocky and gravelly bank and I reckon we were a good 45 minutes after the first light now probably even more an hour and nothing had happened so I thought I'm not going to continue doing this and this is the lesson the big lesson in basically this whole story is nothing had worked for that hour and a half and I only had the morning session to fish so I wanted to make it count and this is probably the well this is the difference between me catching nothing and catching this giant cod now, there's two things you want to look for when you head out and chase big cod in dams. One is structure. So look for structure, look for cover, look for places that they're going to hide. That's what I fished. That is what I just worked. I worked a bouldery area and rocky banks either side of this bouldery bay. There, there would have been fish there. The stru- I know the structure, what it looked like, and that is prime area for cod. Really, really good areas. So structure is key, and there would have been fish there. I just didn't get one, unfortunately. But what you want to look for, the second thing, and if you can find this second thing in conjunction with structure or even on its own, it is a recipe for big fish in the impoundments and it's all about bait fish. So back, I don't know, way back, all our thoughts were just all structure, structure, structure. It's still important. But looking and finding the bait, looking for and finding bait fish is extremely important, something we've learnt a lot more about in recent years when targeting cod because where there are schools of bait fish, whether it be small little bait fish that, you know, little native things or the more common redfin or or schools of small carp, even big carp, any form of bait fish that that lives in that waterway, that is what you want to look for. Now, the reason being is where there's bait fish, if you've got bait fish near the structure, if there are cod near those bait fish, which chances are there will be, they will be in an actively feeding mood. They're not even going to be near them if they're not feeding. And they might be on these rocky banks and these bouldery banks. Some of them might be active, some might be dormant. The active ones might be waiting for food to come past and then you might catch them. The dormant ones are going to have no hope of catching them. If you can find bait fish, schools of bait fish in these areas then that's where you want to fish because if there is a fish near them, which chances are there would be, and by fish I'm talking big cod, they're going to be active because they're only near that bait fish because they're rounding up to feed. Now, the world of fresh water is very, very unknown because we have such dirty colored water, except for what blaring is quite clear, but compared to the ocean. And the studies they've done on fish and and the salt water habitats and environments with the ecosystem of the fish out in the salt... The footage you see is incredible and it highlights how fish behave. You see how big tuna and pelagics round up bait balls and then just destroy them and eat them. Now, with cod, we always thought they just sat on a log, waited for something to swim past and they eat it, which they still do do. In the impoundments, though, they act a little bit differently. 
And I believe that they do the very similar thing to what the saltwater fish do. They do ambush like a flathead sits there in the sand and waits for something to swim past and then ambushes. I think cod do that, but they also do what things like tuna do and they round up the bait fish. Whether they round them up in pairs or on their own, I have no idea. But I've known that fishing and finding bait fish has produced results. So what I did, back to the story, is I worked all morning a good two and a half hours, I reckon, and I worked good quality structure and I, one thing I noticed was that I had no bait fish on the sounder. And I'd started to come up with this flatter bank. Now, if you're going to work flat grassy banks or, or flat banks with very little structure, but with structure nearby, the cod move off the structure and go out onto the grassy flats, flats to feed. But if there's no bait fish there, they're not there feeding. And I come up to this area and there was nothing on the sounder. This is where the sounder is key. And also all morning, looking through the bouldery section, there was no bait fish sitting up high. I couldn't sound up any schools of fish or any carp or anything. So without any luck, I thought, right, these are good banks. I'm just going to motor along for a bit. So I motored along. I motored and just watched my sound. I reckon I motored for about 15 minutes. With the electric motor, because if I turn on the other motor, I'm going to spook the fish. Don't don't use the petrol motor in the area you're going to fish because there's that much activity on the lakes these days with fishers and anglers, any boat activity is going to, if that cod's been caught before or associates that activity with being caught, you're going to just ruin your chances of catching them. You may as well do everything in your power to give you the chance of catching a fish, especially when fishing impairments like blaring, because so many casts are needed. So I electriced along and my sounder showed nothing. And this is where the importance of of a good quality sounder is absolutely critical. I used to just use a a simple sonar, just a colored sonar sounder, like the old school ones that just shot down. It showed your fish arches, it showed your structure, it showed your temperature, and it worked well. And I, you can still catch fish without sounders. You can still catch fish with a sounder just like that. And I used it for many years and it did the job fine. But when it comes to impoundments, you're going to give yourself an upper hand. Say, for example, when you first buy an electric motor, it gives you a massive advantage. The electric motor allows you to control where your boat goes and you're going to catch way more fish with an electric motor than without. That's a big jump and having a good quality sounder that has side and down scan, side imaging or down imaging, whatever you call it, it'll give you another advantage. So another step above, that's what that unit and what that will do for you. It has increased, or, and it is the reason I was able to catch this fish. Well, it did help in the process. So what I did was I electric for 15 minutes along a grassy bank and into a couple of rocky areas. And all of a sudden, as I cruised along, I got onto this rocky bank and about 50 meters along it, bang, I found what I was searching for. And it wasn't cod, it was the bait fish. The bait fish is what I was looking for because where there's bait fish, there should be hungry cod. So I'd cruised along and I saw on my down scan a couple of blobs, two or three blobs in about four and a half meters of water. They come up on the side imaging as well. And then I cruised a little bit more and then more. And I was like, right, oh, perfect, pull up here. So I pulled up, slowed myself down. I'd started finding carp. The carp were showing up and they were big blobs. Like these were big carp. But nonetheless, that was bait fish for these fish big giant cod now smaller bait fish is probably better if you get schools of redfin or small carp or even golden perch schools the cod will feed on but these carp were at least a sign and then i thought right this is perfect so i started working along and the other thing is with the sounder 
with side imaging and down imaging, the one key thing to take away from it and to, to understand about it is that you have to be moving to draw a proper picture. So your sounder just sends out frequencies and beams and if you're moving, if you're not moving anywhere, it's basically bouncing off the same thing. So when you're sitting very still and casting, it's not pointless but it doesn't give you a great reading. So when you're trolling, at a trolling speed, it paints you the perfect picture of what's under the water and that's where they're really handy. So as I cruised along, I was going a little bit faster than trolling speed so I was painting some good pictures. Once I pulled up those that what it was drawing started to get elongated and stretched out a bit but I still I first found those carp and then I was still picking up carp on the sounder uh, even once I'd slowed down now I worked along this rocky bank and it was no word of a lie it was only 10 minutes into this bank and I'd cast just against this rocky bank it was a gentle sloping bank wasn't too steep uh, it I cast in, allowed it to sink, started slow rolling. So I'd done about 10 cranks of the handle, pause, let it sink back to the bottom, hit the bottom, and because it was in sort of a grassy area, I didn't want it to snag because I'd snagged about three casts previously. I just gave it a little hop and then started rolling again. And I reckon I was about four, four or five rolls into after that hop and just the lure got jammed absolutely smashed it and then the feeling the rush of adrenaline is just priceless and if you've never experienced a big cod but you are so keen to and you're listening to this podcast keep at it because i guarantee it'll happen for you one day just listening to something like this is a massive step and things like this you're obviously super keen to find success and get big fish because you're listening to what we're talking about and sharing and by learning what i'm talking about those things that i'm talking about in this podcast you'll get there and you will experience and you'll know exactly what i'm talking about and for those of you who have experienced it you know where I'm coming from and the adrenaline was insane. I was starting to shake and I've caught some big fish where I haven't shook because I just caught a whole heap of big fish but it had been a while since I hooked onto a cracker of a cod up there. So when I, when it hit me, I strike hard, strike super hard and just crank flat out. You just want to keep tension because the cod have a super, super tough mouth when they get really big so you need to strike really, really hard. Plus, you've got a big weighty lure on the end so you need to try and set those hooks. So I struck and I got the first four or five cranks in and when we, uh, we lose so many big cod in the dam, you, you hook up, you're on and then they fall off. And this one got about three, four seconds in. I'd got a few cranks and I was, yes, I had that great feeling of like, he's on. I'm pretty sure I've got this guy. And then he sort of swam at me. So I'm picking up the line really, really quickly, picking it up and winding as he swam down into deeper water beside me. Just kept tension and fought him up and it was incredible. Now, this fish was all caught on camera. Talus and Jack were quite a distance away from me, but I could see them from my boat. Um, and I gave them a yell and got them to switch on the camera and start filming from the other boat while I had cameras in the boat filming me. Uh, this fish went out, just took it easy. Once once you get about halfway through your retrieve, that's where you want to slow down. So at the start, crank hard, keep tension, just keep going. If the fish is screaming the other way, let it go, obviously. But if they're coming at you, and most of the time when you hook a big cod, they'll come towards you in the impoundments. I reckon I've, how many have I hooked? Say of of the 10, 11, 12 big cod I've hooked, the meteries that I've landed, oh, and the others, say there's like 20, 30 that I've lost, 
95% of them come at you because in a dam, they have no current. So, they don't actually have somewhere to head back for when they eat something. So, they're just eating and normally they're going to go, they're going to go shallower. They're not really going to want to, I'm sorry, they're going to want to swim deeper when something's not right. They're not going to want to swim up. So, most of the time, you'll hook them and they'll swim back towards you. So, you want to crank and, and go hard at the start of the retrieve. Then once you've got weight, and the fish is sort of swimming away from you, you've got tension, then just take your time and easy. Halfway through the retrieve, once you know the fish is hooked, I like to back the drag off. I have quite a solid drag at the start to set them, to set that hook, but afterwards back it off because they have so much power. And when they get close to the boat, there's not much distance between the lure and the boat, which means your drag doesn't have much time to react when a fish takes off really, really fast. So you want to make sure that you've got... um, you back that drag off. You just want to make it back, back it off so that it can come off freely when it runs nice and hard. So, hooked this fish. I finally spotted it and it was a monster. Well, as you know, it's 122 centimeter. But when I first saw it, I was like, holy, this thing is huge. Ended up getting it in the net. It was, it was an experience that is just priceless. The, the feeling is incredible. And the, the why I wanted to share this story was that lead up. All of those things I've shared about what I'd seen two months earlier, where I wanted to fish, how I fished, there was no wind, fish for two hours, no luck, then tried to find the bait fish, found the bait fish, 10 minutes in, bang, hooked up. They're extremely key to finding not only big fish, but just cod in dams. Now, this fish uh, was massive. I got him in a big net and left him in the water. The boys come over. Uh, We jumped out on the bank. Uh, I love jumping out and getting in the water with these big fish. A lot of people call me crazy, but I'm all about looking after and protecting these fish, and I love getting a lot of good photos. So I much prefer to get in the water, hold the fish in the water, take some photos, just lift it up for a quick photo, and then drop it back in. That way, it's only out of the water for like 20 seconds. Whereas when you pull it in the boat, by the time you lift a giant fish like that, move it around, get it on the brag mat, you know, take a few photos, you've it's always a rush and, and I'm always, if, if sometimes we have pulled them in in dangerous situations and I'm always just worried about the fish, want to get it in, you know, take a quick few photos and get it back in the water really, really quickly. But that could take a minute and a half, sometimes two minutes to do that. So I much prefer to net them, leave them in the water or lift them in the boat, but leave them in the net and drop them back in the water when you get next to the bank. Um, on this day, I didn't actually have my waders on me because I was just a quick morning session. I didn't pack everything, but usually in winter, I pack my waders. So I put my waders on, jump in the water with the fish. That way I'm, I'm nice and warm. And then I can, we can get some great photos holding the fish in the water. Holding it in the water is allows the fish to calm down, you know, cause it's had a bit of stress from stress from the fight um holding them in the water is absolutely fine we've had some people go oh you know you hold them in the water for five minutes or something but it's no different to say fisheries electrofishing them and keeping them in a tank for two hours while they revive before they let them go holding them in the water is great for the fish as long as they've got oxygen going through their gills they're absolutely fine so I jumped in the water with this fish and like I said at the very start of uh, this episode, we got it all on camera. Now, you may be asking, where do I get to watch it? Where can I watch this giant cod? Um, oh, and before I get onto that, sorry, one more thing I wanted to mention uh, is while we had that fish, we got it up and as you always do, you inspect you know, how it was hooked. And as I mentioned at the start of this podcast, I'd use the Ignite Cod Fury. It was the perch color. 
Uh, it was the only color that I had yet to catch a meter caught on. So all the colors work really, really well. And it was just one that all the boys had caught giant caught on the perch. So it had never been one that I'd used much. But I went to the perch and nailed an absolute giant on it. And it was hooked on the very front swinging treble. So like I say, majority of the fish those big cod will hit the lure head first. In the dark, they do it all the time because what they'll do is they'll swim up and then they'll turn around and hit it head first because then that fish or the bait fish or what they think they're eating has no way of escaping because it can't swim backwards really. It just gets smashed head first and it's gone. And plus, when you for, for a cod to eat something head first, it slides down its throat much easier. If you eat a carp backwards, you've got scales and then you've got the fins and the, the dorsal fin with spikes that, you know, are going to hurt going down. So they swing around, they hit them head first. This big cod ate the plastic head first. Now, back through 2014, 15, 16, when we were chasing big cod in the dams, we only rigged them with a jig head and just a fixed stinger hook. And we missed more than half of our hits, way more. And when we inspect our plastics, the teeth marks were always on the jig head and on the front of the lure. And it took us quite a fair few years of testing to come up with the right the right way to rig our lures so that we increase our hookups. And now we hook up so many more with the two different rigging styles that, that we we rigged our plastics with. So the one we used for quite a while was a reverse front hook. It's like a, a hook that we jam in backwards. Uh, it works better in snaggier waters. And then when the cod grabs it, it pulls that hook out. And that, that hooked up quite a few, but we were still missing some good fish. So I thought, oh, a lot of these banks we fish in blaring, are, there's no structure. So maybe we can get away with a swinging hook. And most like lipless crankbaits have the hooks underneath. So I thought, let's put a swinging hook, but instead of having it under the belly, let's put it right on the head. That way when a cod hits, just from the force of them sucking, that hook will actually swing up. Uh, rather than them having to grab it and actually bite on it to pull it out, where the other style, the other style works great in the snaggier waters because you can get your lure through better. But this swing hook in the open areas or rocky banks where it doesn't really snag, it, it swings up and as they grab it, suck it in head first, that hook hooks up. And that's what happened on this. If I didn't have that front hook, I would have lost that fish. And I have plenty of mates and people that I know who started using plastics and I said I would never, never, ever use one without a hook on the front. Many people don't and I still see them sending me photos going, oh, I lost a big fish and the teeth marks are all on the head of the lure. So that's something we've learned over time. Put a swinging hook up, just custom rig them, but you can actually get them custom rigged. We custom rigged the Ignite Cod Furies. Uh, because so many of you guys wanted to know how we rigged them um, and so we thought we'll rig a few up and we'll whack them up on the social fishing store. So for those of you who don't know, we recently launched uh, a store to go with our online educational website. So there are two different websites. One is where you learn stuff, where we where this podcast is, videos, content. The other one is a store. It's an online store with all of the native lures that we use to chase Murray Cod, Golden Perch, Trout, the whole lot. Uh, and on there, we have those cod furies and we rig a few. So there are a few rigged in the two different rigging styles. Uh, jump on there and check them out if you want to see more about um, grabbing them. If you don't want to even do the rigging yourself, you just want to buy them, use them exactly how we use them, get out in the water, go check them out there. I will mention though that the stocks are very limited on the swinging or on the rigged furies. So if you're wondering why you can't purchase them, 
uh, the, the stocks are super limited. So that would be the reason as to why. But keep checking back every week because new fresh stock goes up, but it doesn't last very long. Uh, but if you want to rig them yourself or you want to rig your own plastic, say you use different branded plastics, you prefer other brands uh, and you want to rig them or learn how we do it so you can do it yourself, um, there's a rigging tutorial on the social fishing website. So jump on the website um, under the videos. There's a rigging big soft plastics tutorial. You can jump on there and watch that. There's also that same clip is included in the Murray Cod in Dam series in the complete guide. It's the bonus video in that Murray Cod in Dam's complete guide series where it runs through. It's about a 45-minute video and it shows you how we rig the plastics. Um, it shows you with that reverse front hook. Uh, the only difference is it doesn't show you the swinging hook because we've only just uh, come up with that. And the only difference is it's rigged exactly the same. You just leave the treble as it is whole and you just whack a corkscrew in the front with a split ring and clip it on basically the same process so that's the um that's the lure and that's how it was hooked and that was just one more thing i really wanted to touch on is making sure that you give yourself the best possible chance of landing fish when you're out on the water and it's things like that being observant of when things go wrong figure out how you can fix that so that then you can find success and success in our industry is all about catching big fish all you want to do is go out there have fun and catch big fish so do the best, do everything you can to help you succeed. And when, if you're keen enough to get out there and chase giant cod in the dams in the winter, well, you must be keen on your fishing. So do everything in your favor. Rig the lures as good as you can. Tie good knots. Check your knots. Do everything in your favor. Now, as I was saying, uh, back to the videoing of of the, the fish, the, the big fish. And I, as I said, it was caught on camera. And if you want to know where you can watch it, now, if you had a followed us, I'm going to share that now, basically. So, if you had a followed us over the last few months, you might have seen that we've been filming a new series. This new series where I actually haven't mentioned what it is or where it will be yet. Well, this is the first place you, if you are listening to this, this is the first place I have mentioned what this new series is. And this big fish is in the new series. Now, what it is, is we wanted to help more of you guys catch more freshwater fish. So, we get great responses from all of you out there saying we love the YouTube videos, we love the articles, you know, any content that you share is great content, we want to learn more. And I wanted to give back to you guys and share more about what we know but put together a free freshwater series. It's a tutorial and that's what we've created, a tutorial series that gives you a beginning intro. So, it's a beginning into lure fishing tutorial series teaches you the very fundamentals and it is 100% free. I wanted to just build it and share it so that it can give you guys a starting option if if you're just getting in to lure fishing or if you want to say you want to advance into fishing in a dam or whatever it is if you if as long as you're not super advanced and even if you are and you know everything, you can always learn more. So, what we did was we created, it's called the Free Freshwater Mini Series uh, and it's produced by us, Social Fishing, and it's a four-part series set to be released around the end of August, if not the very start of September, it will be out. So, it's not long now before we release it. Uh, We've still got a little bit more editing to do, but it's a four-part series. Part one is an introduction message where I just explain what you're going to learn in the series. Part two is the Murray Cod part, which obviously includes this giant cod. It also includes learning or 
tutorials and tips and demonstrations on fishing in the lake uh, and the techniques we use to catch that big fish. At the start of the video, we actually teach you the fundamentals of, of lures and gear uh, and then we get out in the water and show you how to cast and got a couple of other cod that we've caught out of a river are included in that. Part two is the same thing, but golden perch. So river fishing for them on rivers, where to look for, same with impoundments. And trout is part, sorry, part three. I don't know for what I said there. Part three for the golden perch one and part four for the trout one. Again, trout in rivers and streams and then trout in dams. Now, they're short tutorial series. Uh, to give you an introduction into freshwater lure fishing. Uh, if you've seen or you've heard of the Complete Guide series, it's like a very shortened version of the Complete Guide series. So it gives you a great introduction. If Even if you're bait fishing, you're like, oh, I might start lure fishing. I might see if I'm, I'm keen to give it a go. This will give you the greatest stepping stone and starting option the free freshwater mini series and if you're keen for more and you want to learn more that's where i recommend jumping up and checking out the complete guide lure fishing series the complete guide took us over four years to film produce and publish uh it's 26 hours of content it is everything we know we've put together in this series on lure fishing it it is incredible but this free one is a great starting option but this is also a great bit of entertainment because we have some really good fish captures, caught on footage, uh, trout, cracking trout that are caught on the Tumut River, Our rainbow is included in the trout part, and this giant big cod. So from hookup to release is all on camera in the free freshwater mini series, which is coming out late August, maybe early September. Uh, so check that out. It, it will be available on the Social Fishing Store and it'll be part of a free account that you sign up for. So you'll sign up, you'll be have access to the um, Social Fishing community, the emailing community list where you'll I'll send out plenty of content, updates on all sorts of stuff uh, where you'll get only community content that I don't share anywhere else. You'll get access to that. You'll get a free account, which allows you to purchase other things throughout the social fishing store. And you will also get to see this free freshwater mini series where I catch this giant cod on camera, plus other action and tips. So that's where you can check out that footage of the story that I've just told you. So that whole story, the lead up, you'll know all about it. And then you'll get to see that big fish caught. So... That brings us to the end of this episode. So I really hoped you enjoyed this little story. And if you did, let me know. If you want to hear more stories or recounts after a trip and, and what I learned from the trip and, and what happened on the trip, let me know if this is something that interests you and you're happy to sit down and listen to maybe what I, what I think is good about these podcasts is they're great to listen when you're heading to a place. So like if you're on the road going for a drive, you're about to head up to Blaring, like would this story be something that you'd love to listen to before you head there? Please let me know. Send comments through. There's all different channels you can get in contact with us. Let me know your thoughts. Now, part of the free accounts is if you become if you sign up to this free freshwater mini series, you'll get a free so you'll get access to a social fishing account. In that account, you will have the opportunity um, to submit listener questions. So that's what's going to be happening in future podcast episodes when we host the standard show when I'll co-host it with Chris or Talis or even these ones on my own. We're going to answer listener questions. So you out there can submit your questions to us and we will answer them. So if you have burning questions on all sorts of different stuff and things that you want us to cover in the podcast and talk about, you can submit them. So that's another feature and benefit of 
accessing this free series and signing up to the Social Fishing account is you'll be able to submit your questions for us to answer. So, keep that in mind if you want us to cover something because that's where we'll go and we will read out some of your questions, a few of the questions on each episode uh, and also, yeah, like I said, leave reviews, let me know what you think of the podcast and where it's going and if you have any ideas for future topics, I would love to hear them as well. Thank you very, very much for joining me in episode five um getting i'm loving these episodes it's just great to be able to share content in a different way and i really hope that you learn a lot from this little story that i told about this cracking cracking fish so thank you for joining me today and i will see you in the very next episode thanks guys catch you later